Welcome to Christ Chapel College, the college outreach of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope everyone experiences what Jesus calls abundant life. So we unapologetically point to Him as the source of life and joy. If you're a college student in the Fort Worth area, we'd be stoked to connect with you. Find out more at ChristChapelCollege.org and on Instagram at ChristChapelCollege. Amen. Good morning, guys. Super glad you guys uh, are here um, this morning. Um, you guys could have been doing a lot of other things other than um, being here, you know, getting brunch. Great example, um, big fan of brunch. But you guys decided to be here, and that really means a lot to us. Uh, for us who um, put this uh, put this um, whole worship service on, um, like Asher was saying, my name is Francis. Um, I've had the privilege of being on staff for this college ministry for um, I think some odd like four years, give or take. Uh, COVID kind of muddled muddies things a little bit because it was just a blur. But um, but. I get the privilege of, of really being on this side uh, of the room today. Usually uh, in my role and what I do here, I'm usually in the, in the back or really in the behind the scenes of this college ministry, making kind of everything, you know, hold together. And so um, this is really fun for me to be on this side, being able to open up God's word with y'all this morning and, and really just getting a great excuse to talk about Jesus. So, because I love that guy. Um, but with that, though, I uh, um, just before we get started, I just want to kind of give just a quick heads up um, that if if uh, say like half squat little girl wearing princess jammies um, comes up to you and asks for your phone, uh, just respectfully decline. Um, her name is Rin, um, and she uh, is great. She'll respect that and she'll understand. She may press, but just respectfully decline. Um, she'll get over it. Uh, or if uh, another smaller half squat uh, little girl comes up and she just tries to just start climbing, climb you, um, just kind of like shoo her off in a very loving way. Um, that is Faye. Uh, those are <laughs> those are my daughters. And um, if you're like, who, where is your mom, Faye? I feel like you should have a parent parental guardian right now because you're one and a half. Um, just look for the the woman who's like looking for her child. So. That's what, uh, that's, um, just to give you guys the heads up, uh, that's who's in this room today. Um, <laughs> back to this. Um, I want to get this thing started um, as, as um, we're going to be picking right back up in James chapter 2. Um, I, uh, with what James is going to be talking about today, I just kind of want to put this on the forefront of our minds and really get our minds thinking about this uh, and um, some of us uh, maybe have heard these, uh, I'm going to say a few phrases and just kind of like, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but just kind of, you know, just by, you know, I guess, silent agreeance, I guess. Um, just, you know, make a note of whether or not you've heard maybe one of maybe three of these, of these uh, statements before, um, or maybe you've heard something like it. Uh, first one is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, another one is, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, one more, uh, who you surround yourself with is who you will become. Uh, I, I, I bring those up because those are, you know, something that maybe we've heard in, you know, um, we've heard in either motivational TikTok videos or we've seen them, or we've read them in like leadership books or maybe we've like been taught them about like in like entrepreneurship class or in lectures or, 
you know, maybe we've even had like parents be like, hey, stop hanging out with those kids. They're the bad kids, you know, don't like find a new friend group. Um, and they kind of like try to do that like by scaring you, like you're gonna become like them. Um, but, you know, whatever it may be, like whatever this maybe idea that you've, you've wherever you've heard it from is, um, is a great statement. It's a great sentiment. Um, I know that whenever I was, um, had made, made it through the crucible of high school, I, uh, I was 19, I was 20 years old, give or take, and, you know, I'm fresh into college, and my college experience started off with all of my friends going to other universities, and so I was left at home going to my JUCO, and uh, I heard this, a, a sentiment like this, I think it was, mine was more closer to number two, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, and I took that to heart because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see this as an opportunity and, you know, I'm going to look for people who I can now surround myself with because all my friends ditched me. And uh, they, I'm going to find people who, you know, I'll be able to kind of like glean some wisdom from it and, you know, for, uh, look for people who um, have functioning families because I didn't come from that. And I went like, asked them, like, like, what does it look like to be, what does it look like to be married? Because one day I like to be married. What does it mean to have kids? What does it mean to, to balance, you know, work and life and family? What does that look like? Um, and, you know, I, was, I would look for those kind of people to try to have in my life so that I could, you know, um, set a good trajectory for my life. Uh, but I, I, at that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a really great statement. I love that. But as, like, I'm here now, about eight or so years later, being married five years and have two little kids, I see this sentiment and I hear this, this ideology and there's a part of me that kind of hesitates. Um, and it really just more so like just like kind of like pumping the brakes because I can't help but ask myself of at what point do we draw the line with this? That we go from, we, we humbly ask and very in a very genuine posture ask the question of who can, I, who can I look to or who can I ask for help with blank? Right, who can I, who can I go to that would have good advice for how to do X, Y, or Z, Right? But at some point, it, it, it shifts into how can this person benefit me? Or do I gain anything from having a relationship with this person? Is there any sort of value of having this kind of person in my life? And then it kind of, you can kind of tell it starts to turn into this kind of um, like this selfish, um, you know, uh, like, basically looking at other people as to what they can do for me and the selfishness, the selfish kind of greediness. Um, and that's kind of the point of what we're going to be talking about today in this idea of partiality that James writes on to, these, uh, to this group of believers. Um, as we pick up in chapter 2, uh, we're going to be reading the first uh, 13 verses and uh, just to kind of give you a preview of where I think I, I want to take us and really just doing three things. The first one is uh, looking at what partiality is and really like just trying to define what partiality is based on what, how James puts it. Um, second thing is I want to see why partiality is a problem. Um, and then third is I really just want to get tangible with, with how this can look uh, in our lives and what does the Bible have to say about it. So with that, um, my hope truly and through and foremost is just the reality that 
partiality goes against all of who Jesus is and who we are as, as Christians and what we believe. So um, with that, I'm gonna go ahead and read uh, James chapter two, starting in verse uh, one, and we're just gonna go to verse seven and we'll pick up the rest later on. Um, it's gonna be on the screens as well, so let me go and start. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothing, you say, you sit here in a good place. Why you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So let's go and stop right there and, and get into this uh, because right out the gate, we see this word partiality and James, James uses it in verse one kind of teeing up all of what he is now explaining with this um, whole rich guy, poor guy, this, all this stuff. But to define partiality, I don't think I just want to like slap a Webster's Dictionary definition just to kind of be like, oh yeah, this is what it is, see? Like, eh. I want to like, I want to look at how um, this word is in its context because it was originally written in Greek. That's The Old Testament was originally written in the language of Greek, and I want to see how James um, uses the word that is in Greek. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I took Greek over summer. It was a big blur, but um, the reality is like there's there's different Bible translations that we have, which is a huge benefit to us because we get to see uh, different publishers and different um, collect collections of Christians who honor and uphold the word of God as 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 um, as sacred and how they've taken that word of partiality and translated it into um, their different translations. So um, the one that, for example, I'll just go ahead and start reading a bunch of them, but the one that we had just read was the ESV. Um, and again, it says, verse one, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Um, as some of you have the NIV, maybe you read, uh, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. So favoritism is then introduced as the idea, right? There's, we got a, now a synonym for what partiality is. Um, this, is the, this is the CSB. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so now there, he's, now it's kind of highlighting the idea of being partial or ho having favoritism as well as being a Christian and holding the faith that we have. NLT says, they even frame it in a question, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? And this is, my, the last one's my favorite, it's the NASB, which um, just a, I, I, if you've ever gone to Mardell's with me and uh, shopped for Bibles, because I do that um, in, my, in my free time. Um, the NASB is, a, is actually a translation that's kind of known for being the, like the most word-for-word -word translation from the um, original manuscripts of Hebrew and Greek to what we read. And so and it's, it's almost to a fault because it can sometimes, like whenever you read it, it seems clunky. Like it, does, it, just does, it doesn't sound very like fluid and, and eloquent. But this is what it says. My brothers and sisters, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ 
with an attitude of personal favoritism. And so by looking at these different verses and how different people have have translated them and, and worded it, it's partiality is this idea of favoritism. Like if we were to tack on um, a synonym to it, and we see that in verse three where he says, um, if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing, you, you pay special attention to this person over another person, this rich person over a poor person. And to give some, some like maybe a little bit more background information to, you know, like what was going on in, in James's time, you know, like their socioeconomical system and hierarchy was very much similar to ours, right? Like if you have, if you have money, like you have influence, Right? And basically what you can, back then, whenever you, you were seen as valuable for what you contributed to society. And then in that, how well resourced you were in doing that, right? And so very, I mean, very similar today though, the people who have lots of money and resources oftentimes are seen as, okay, like you have, you have a little bit of rep to you, right? But in that though, there's, there's something different going back into James's time is that, you know, their wages and earning was very much fixated on physical labor. They didn't, they didn't have the benefit, and I say that sensitively, the benefit of COVID happening and then now, like, it's, it's socially okay to now work from your laptop at home in your slippers. Like, that's okay. Like, that's fine. Like, but for them back then, it was like, hey, if you wanted a, a little extra money, you had to work like an extra day. Like you had to work, you know, however many hours, which I guess is somewhat similar to us today. But they couldn't like, they didn't have the benefit of like not, you know, um, expending more energy, like physical energy and doing something. So to, because they only had a day long to do stuff, right? But the reality is for, for um, them back then, it was like, okay, it was a really easy way to make money was to get it in with the rich people, Right? Because instead of having to do a whole day's wage or a whole day's worth of labor to then earn a wage, you can just be, you know, like, kind of like treat a rich guy a little bit nicer and then, you know, maybe he'll invite you over to his house for whenever he does his wine parties. And then maybe he'll like, you know, maybe you'll get in mer- more with them and, and then you can, you know, maybe he'll like, you know, maybe slip you some money on the side or maybe he'll, you know, pay off whatever taxes or something that you have or, you know, like he'll take care of you. He'll become your sugar daddy, right? But... <laughs> That's not, that, that's what James is teeing up for us right here as, he, as he's trying to show what partiality is. And it's why do we show favoritism to one person over another? Because of what we can get from them, right? And he makes it evident with, with the whole idea of the rich person and the poor person. But I think this also goes to show that it, it goes, it, partiality can look in so many different ways. It can take so many different short, uh, uh, shapes and forms. Um, but if I were to give us a new definition based on all of what that is, I would say that partiality is about showing favor to someone because of what they can do for us. And that's what partiality is. I think we even have, a, I think, a slide for it. What is partiality? Bingo, right there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Dawson. Um, that's, what, that's what partiality is. Is, is is about showing favor to someone because of what they can do for us. You know, I show you a little bit of attention and you can scratch my back. You know, I, you know, call, I say nice things to you and then you 
feed me food or give me money or whatever it is, right? And for, I mean, most of us, I mean, if, if you're a business major in here, like me, like, you would see that and be like, well, duh. Like, Francis, that's, that's called business. Like, doing something so that someone, like, you having a product or a service and offering it up and someone purchasing it and then you then, you know, reaping the benefits of that, right? Like, you have a service, you have a good, you sell it, you, like, you try to sell someone on it, they bite, they buy, and then you get the money. Like, I get that, but that's, like, that's marketing. Right? That's marketing, that's advertising. You are then doing it for a corporation, which is trying to provide the society, society with a good and with a service. But what partiality is, is talking about a very personal level and the fact of we then peg value, someone's worth and value intrinsic on the principle of solely what you can do for me. And the fact that if you can't do anything for me, then you're nothing to me. And that's what partiality is. That's, that's why it's an issue because especially if, if, if you're in this room as a, as a Christian, this, this is not what the church is about. And I mean, let me, I'll just, I mean, I'll just go ahead and read uh, Acts uh, chapter two, verse uh, 42 through 47. Um, and we get to uh, catch a glimpse as to what the very beginning church was like. That as Jesus He's on this earth, he's crucified, he's resurrected, he's chilling on the earth for a little bit. He then ascends into heaven and then the Holy Spirit descends uh, at, during Pentecost, during this thing, uh, which Pentecost was basically just a festival um, that went on for I think like 50 days. Uh, someone can fact check me or not, it's whatever. Um, but there, there would be these, all these Jeru- uh, people, these Jews who come from all sorts of wherever and come to Jerusalem to then be partake in this festival. And what happens is, is that Holy Spirit then falls on all of these Jews and really these believers, the apostles, and then it just erupts. The beginning of the church starts, and this is what, this is, I mean, like days into this new church that hasn't been a thing until this point. And listen to how the idea of partiality is showing favor to someone because of what they can do for us in regards to what this is. Verse 42 and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Praising God. uh, uh, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That doesn't sound like, like the early church does not sound like partiality. Faye, keep it down. I think that's my daughter. I don't know who's the other daughter that was B. Um, not that they're not welcome, but you get it. Um, <laughs> but that, that's, that is 100% not what partiality, that's not what, the Christian church is not based on partiality. It's not what you can get from someone. It's about what we can give to others. And that's, I mean, if I were to kind of do a juxtaposition between partiality and Christianity and have giving another definition to Christianity, and Christianity is about showing love to someone because of what they can't do for themselves. Right, we saw that in Acts, the fact that they were selling possessions, they were selling their own possessions and, and distributing the proceeds to any who had need. 
that's what Christianity is about. But I want to get I want to get into the, the, our, our second part of of kind of what um, I had talked about in looking at the ways that partiality can look or take form in our lives and, and really just look at, we are starting to kind of see how it's a problem, but really dial into what it, it can look like. So um, why is partiality a problem? And this is, this is tough. Because let's say that you're in, the heart, you're in the hot seat and you're the one who's being partial to someone just for the sake of the conversation, right? What happens when you come across someone that you can't personally benefit from? That you meet someone and you're getting to know them and they seem like a cool guy but you then realize that they don't, there's nothing you can get from them. What do you do? You drop them. Maybe it's even whenever we, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in, the, in this category too, that maybe we even perceive someone as useless to us or even someone who's a burden to us in our lives. What happens then? We avoid them. Let's do the inverse. That someone else is in the hot seat looking at, you and, and what happens when someone realizes that you don't meet their criteria for what they're looking for? Or, or you're not someone, you're not what someone thought that you were. And so they drop you. They like cut ties, they, like, they disassociate with you. That's tough. And I'm, I'm, I think in, if we start to kind of use our imagination, we can kind of see like that this maybe have, has played out different ways in our, our lives and, and this idea of showing partiality or being shown partial as someone picks someone else over us. Um, I'll go ahead and, and put myself on the chopping block with this and just being transparent. I um, uh, like made it through the crucible of high school. Uh, I am, uh, or actually it was right towards the end of the crucible. I was in senior, it was a senior year, um, kind of around prom time, right? And I um, am at my buddy Josh's house, the best friend, I literally saw him last week. Um, and he has like, he's a white dude with like massive dreadlocks going down his back, so he's changed, but he's still my best friend. Um, and, you know, with we're, we're, at, we're, out of, we're out of class because we have, you know, early release and, you know, we're at his house and, you know, he's right here on the couch, I'm right here. And we're just killing time before we're like gonna go, you know, I think meet up with some friends or something. You know, we're watching Shark Week. You know, we're just vibing. And, you know, he gets a f- he gets a phone call from his prom date, who then is you know telling him about you know trying to figure out like prom logis- logistics of like color. What color are we gonna wear? Is that color the same as this color? Are you okay with wearing this color? Because I think I want to wear this color. Like, I, I, I'm, are you gonna still wear those shoes that you said you were gonna wear? Like. Oh, you're not? Oh, okay, good. Okay, because I want you to wear these. It was weird. But in that, though, you know, I'm, I'm like right here. Like, he's right here. I'm, he is right here. I am right here. And Shark Week. He has the phone right hand to right ear. So it's right here. And I'm hearing this, this entire conversation go on. Like, like it's crystal clear because less than a foot, right? Like inches. And she's asking, you know, hey, it's like, 
it's the conversation is getting to a point to where she's about to ask, you know, like where, you know, like what are you doing? In a way of like invitation of like, hey, like come, whatever you're doing, like just come hang out with us. Ditch whatever you're doing and be with us. And so then she asked, you know, like, what are you doing? And my, my friend, my buddy Josh, he says, oh, I'm hanging out with Francis. Right here, right here, Shark Week, I hear it. <laughs> she says, and it's so hard for me to, to shake from this moment, and it took me a long time to shake from this moment because she, what are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging out with Francis. Oh, Francis? He's weird. I mean, it was crystal clear, and it happened in a second. Like, this was a girl that, like, I had class with. This was a girl that, like, we were, like, like we were copacetic. Like, we were fine. Like, there, we didn't have beef with each other, but she definitely didn't act like that, or, or nor did I ever catch that, that kind of, that gist from her. And I knew that, I'd, I mean, I was kind of quirky. I get it. A lot of people dial my personality up to being, uh, uh, I heard it the other day, as animated, right? And by this point, I've, I've owned it. I've owned my awkwardness. I've owned my weirdness. And there's nothing I can do about it. I'm so sorry. But the fact of me in that moment that, that I heard that, like, oh, Francis, he's weird. That did some damage in my own heart. And the, and the way that that did damage is that it, 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 it inflicted this pain in me that then had this, that shaped in the way of having this complete distrust for that kind of person, that kind of girl, right, who was, who was pretty, who was likable, who was popular, who, you know, had lots of friends. I, I wanted to have nothing to do with her or that kind of person. And for a long time, I was partial to other people, not her. And that's why partiality is a problem. And it's really, honestly, just dangerous because you can find yourself, you're walking a tightrope, and whichever way you fall, you're still, it's going to be partiality either which way. Because pain gives way to distrust, and distrust then gives breeding to having partiality against that person, which is still the exact same partiality that James is trying to, to deconstruct and, and, and admonish these people for not doing. Because it's still partiality, and it's still choosing one person over another person, which is not what the church is about. That's not what Christianity is about. And that jadedness in my own heart was not Christian of me for a long time. And partiality can look so many different ways because at the, at the base root of it, a lot of it is just this, is this disunity that can stir in our lives. I mean, for, I mean, I mean I'm just thinking of y'all's, y'all's demographic and the context of like y'all are in. I didn't do Greek life. Some of you maybe did. And I've heard the recruitment process for sororities is brutal. And the stories that come out of it of the first weed out process is solely just do you look like our sorority? And nope, cut. You even get the chance to get to know who the person was. That does damage to someone. 
or even the fact of like for like uh, for for fraternities where you know you're like the first week and you're getting to know a bunch of the guys in the fraternity that you're like wanting to be a part of and you know like you start getting like these promises of like man like yeah dude I bet you're gonna get in dude you're such you seem like a cool guy whatever yeah but like you don't like you don't you don't get in and then you see you see those guys on the way to class and they don't they act like they don't know who you are. We get dropped, we get avoided, and I mean, this plays out in so many other ways that isn't how life is supposed to be. That's not how Christianity is, is supposed to be, and that's why James is, is it's so dangerous, and that's why James is so adamant about, about talking about this, and that, I mean, we'll just keep on reading uh, verses uh, eight through 11 and just keep on going to see what his argument is. And starting in verse eight, if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Verse 11, uh, he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do, in fact, murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. That's, J- James is, is putting partiality on par with murdering a human being and sleeping with another person's spouse. Like, and that may be, like, hard to believe, like, oh, okay, like, James is being dramatic, but you see, like, this, is, this, this idea of partiality breeds disunity and distrust, and it's painful, and it, it undoes all of the, what the church is supposed to be. And it's dangerous. It's not a light matter that, that, par- that we show partiality for one person or another. Because, I was going to say this later on, but I think I'm going to say it now. But the reality is that if you're a Christian in this room and you show partiality, you show favoritism towards one person over another person, you show and prove that you either don't understand or you've maybe you've forgotten how Christ has loved you. That's the danger of, of partiality. And, and, and James continues to show its importance by showing like how it is that we're, we're supposed to live in, in verses uh, 12 and 13. We'll just keep on going. He says in verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'll be honest, whenever I was reading this, you know, the first couple takes and really kind of starting to kind of exchange with this passage, I felt like this was like a weird left turn. I feel like it was like, we're going like, okay, cool. I'm jiving, partiality, I get it. And then it's just like, boom, law of, li- law of liberty. And it's like, whoa, law of liberty? Where did that come from? Talking about mercy. It's like, mercy, when has mercy been a part of this conversation? What does mercy have to do with partiality? I mean, like I get understanding like the judgment part because, you know, like uh, he says that you have become judges with evil thoughts, right? Making distinctions among yourselves. So like, what is it talking about when, it, when James mentions this law of liberty? Well, it's the gospel. It's the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And what that does for us and who believe in that, in that truth and, and submit their lives to it and make much about it, believing in the gospel liberates us from the due punishment of our sins, liberates, liberates us and sets us free from the punishment that we're supposed to receive. In Romans, it talks about for the wages of sin, what, what, what is incurred by sin that is really innate within us is death. And death, just not even just being like, you know, dead and in the ground, it's like eternal damnation and separation from the God of the universe. And this eternal torment that is, that is never ending. And the gospel liberates us from that, that really promised outcome because of our sin reality, our sin nature, our sinful state. But don't miss this because I, and I, I'm, I, as I was kind of looking at this and doing some studying and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to piece together this law of liberty. What? It's, okay, so it's the gospel, but like this is so critical for what partiality is because we then start to realize that if, that if the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection, Christ, Jesus, did, he gained nothing for what he did. In fact, I would even go so far to say that our sin is what nailed him to the cross and submitted him to death and submitted him to the, through the, grues- the gruesome process of crucifixion, which was, uh, which was a, a form of, of punishment that was, uh, that was curated and designed by the Romans to inflict the, mo- the maximum amount of pain and anguish. That's Christ gained nothing from us by dying on the cross. In fact, it actually put him up on the cross and died the death that we were supposed to die. And Romans 5, 8 is so beautiful and so hard sometimes to, to just sit on is that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the reality of our, of, our, of our lives. And that's where mercy comes in. Because this idea of mercy is this idea of not getting something that you do deserve, right? Let's take uh, maybe just a, a, an example, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, most of you look like you would commit Grand Theft Auto. You seem like that kind of crew. Um, you you go and you pull an old lady out of a car, out of her like Cadillac, old Cadillac, and you know, you drive, take her car and you drive. You don't even know where you're going. You just stole it because you could and you wanted to. But you end up going, you, you crashing it, you're, you crash it and the police catches you and you then are sitting before a judge who is then laying out the sentence of which you are to be punished by for breaking the law. But that judge then comes in and says, hey, so-and-so is actually going to take your place. You're off the hook. That punishment that you do deserve, you're not going to get anymore. That judge and that person who's taking your place is showing you mercy. 
And that's what this whole idea of, of showing mercy that James is, is, is talking about, that for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. The reality is that us as Christians, that Christ died for the fact of us loving other people. And that whenever we show partiality, it completely undoes that and is against what, all of what, the purpose of what Christ did. That if we're Christians and we, say, and we show partiality, then that surmounts to nothing. Because that means that you are not showing the same love towards others. I love what John, 1 John uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11 say, and, it's, and we have a slide for it. It says, it, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we ought to love one another. That's the premise of Christianity. It's not, it's not doing things for the, for the fact of what others can do for us, not showing favoritism or showing favor to someone because of what they can do for us. It's this idea of, of loving others because of what they can't do for themselves. And that the love, the way that we're able to do that is through what Christ has done for us. And that the love that we show other people is not the love that comes and stems from in and of ourselves. And that's what I want to get into the third part is just like the reality of like, well, how do we do this? And I just have to say, we can't, like it, it's really easy just to chalk it up and being, oh yeah, just like love, uh, yeah, I'm just going to be nicer to people. I'll say hi to the weird kid, Sure. Like, maybe I'll participate in a group project. I don't know. We'll see how I'm feeling. I'm going to let other people do that. But it's this reality that how we love other people stems from how understanding how we are loved by Christ. And I love that in uh, uh, this, this verse uh, in, um, when it comes to uh, verse 8, where it talks about the law of uh, the, if you were to um, love one another, uh, you are doing, if you were to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. That's, that's fulfilling the royal law. Um, and what that is referring to is uh, this, one of Jesus' most profound teachings um, that he had during his ministry. And the fact of whenever this guy, he comes up to Jesus and he's like, try to put him to the test. Because the Jewish law was 600 plus rules that you had to follow. And so this guy's coming up, he's like, yo, hey, like, which one's like the best? Which one's the best? Like, all of them are important. Obviously, because if you break one, you break them all, right? You, are, you have become a transgressor of the law. And so he like puts Jesus to the test. He's trying to like, you know, he's trying to show that he's not the Messiah. And Jesus fires back with a very profound word. And he says, the greatest commandment of all of the 600 plus laws that there is, is is summed up in one word is the love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And Jesus kind of flex, flexes and he says, I even have a second one. The second greatest commandment and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. I love that, that James, Jesus' brother, is, is referring back to that. Because the way that that if we were to do this or how we are to follow through with this, we can't love other people 
out of a love that we have just in and of ourselves. We can only love and truly love other people because of what Christ has done for us and us understanding that and us believing that and submitting to that. And some of you may be kind of getting sleepy-eyed and I get that because brunch is like right there. But like, the re- like that's, that's the premise of the Christian faith that you guys can't do it yourselves. There's no matter good works, there's no matter of being kind or generous or anything in and of yourself. It's all about what Christ has done for you and believing that. And how do you believe that? Some of you may not even like submit to that. Well, the reality is that it is, it is saying that I believe in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe in it so much so that I'm gonna let that play out in my life. I'm gonna let that run through my life. And the words that I say and the actions that I, the things that I do on the weekend, the, the way that I treat other people with this partiality concept. And that's how we then get into the second part of loving your neighbors yourself. Love God, love people. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me get super practical with this, okay? Because it's still kind of floating up here of like, okay, cool, good principles, I love it. Brass tacks. How do we love our neighbor? I got three. First one is be observant. Be observant of others. How do we do this? Simply be observant to those who are around you. Look at the people who are, who, who are in your realm of influence or in your realm of, of life, your realm of runnings. And I would even go to say that ish, uh, I was... I don't know, I'll say it, of just issuing the challenge of find one person this week. Like, you leave here today, you go to class, you go to work, you go to the gym, you go to the blue, you go to wherever, you go to a coffee shop, you go somewhere, and you find someone, and you be observant, and you find someone that you know in and of yourself that you most likely would not ever exchange with for whatever that reason may be. And introduce yourself. Find one person and be observant and find someone and introduce yourself to them. And the reality is like take an interest. The second thing is take an interest in their lives. See what, just, just prove yourself wrong or right or whatever it is that, you, whatever, however you're processing this and just come to the grips of that is a human being. It's the same human being. It's, a, it's, it's the same um, life that Christ had died for, right? Take an, inter- take an interest in their lives. Know what they do. Um, uh, find out what their favorite ice cream is, their favorite color. I don't care. Find out. They're a person who has likes and dislikes. Take an interest in their lives. Third one is this, is prioritize their needs functionally above your own. That's, guys, that's hard. But it's one of the best things that you can do because it's about what, not what someone can do for you, but it's about what you can do for others because of what has been done for you, right? At the end of all of it, we can't do this without having a relationship, a saving faithful relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reality is that the way we follow through with that is by the way that we love other people. Let me go and pray.
Father, we look to you and see the goodness from your truth of what you've done for us. Father, help us not to be distracted by the things that go on around us and the ways that we can get busy and ways that we can get distracted and so much so that we, we lose sight of what you've done for us. God, for, those of you, for the people who are in here, like myself, who sometimes get sleepy in their faith and they just kind of throw on cruise control, God, would you help them give them the eyes to see someone in their life observant and take an interest in that person and and put their needs above our own. Help us to see those who are around us and loving other people. Show us how we can better love you, Lord. Help us to make much of who you are because of what you've done for us through loving other people. And God, it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.